Hello, everyone, and welcome to World Shocking Stories. I'm Denise, and with me, as always, is my soulmate and partner in this roller coaster we call life, Brad. Hello, everyone. Albuquerque, New Mexico is home to the Petroglyph National Monument that has designs and images carved into the volcanic rock by Spanish settlers 400 to 700 years ago. These hold spiritual significance and cultural expression. But just southeast of the monument is the subdivision of West Mesa. It is here where the work of a serial killer was active, with 11 women found buried in the desert and no one arrested or charged for these crimes. Who could have been behind this? Yes, this case is disturbing for sure because the killer was taking victims without anybody noticing. They were being murdered and buried in an undeveloped area between 2001 and 2005. When the bodies were found, they decided to check out previous satellite imagery in 2003 and 2005 in the area just to see if they could find any leads. Good idea. They found from the images, tire marks, and disturbed soil where the bodies were found, but nothing more from that. In 2006, a development company was getting ready to develop in the area and it was getting ready for residential development. And also just to note that this area was within the city limits. So it's not like he was going like out into the forest or anything. This was like in just an undeveloped piece of land in the city. I'm thinking Albuquerque, New Mexico is like desert or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I just get the an image of, you know, badlands kind of thing. Right. These bodies would have gone unnoticed for a long time. But in 2008, during the housing bubble collapse, which saw homes rapidly increase in valuations, then once they have a high valuation, they drop in value, leading to foreclosures. Kind of a dick thing. Yeah, it is. Probably a, a government trying to do that or something. I don't know. That's a horrible thing. It is. Now, from this, the development was halted and the neighbors complained of flooding from the plated side due to a natural arroyo. That arroyo? I don't know. Which is a gully formed by fast-flowing water. Okay. So the developer built a retaining wall to channel the storm water to the pond exactly where the bodies were buried, which would lead to their discovery. So if it wasn't for this development happening here and being like the flooding, these bodies might not have ever been found. Yeah, and I'm thinking that the... I'm sure you're going to get into this. I'm thinking that there's probably not much left of the bodies because this is... Probably a hot area, New Mexico. Yeah, I think they're pretty much, I don't really know exactly what the state of the bodies, and I didn't really want to check into that either. Okay. So, yeah. But on February 2nd, 2009, and now we're going to hit up movie time early. You ready? I'm trying to think. 2009. It's going through my head. I'm going through things like 2009. I remember I dragged you to the movie called The Vow or Vow with Chatham Channing. Yeah, (laughs) other way around. But I think that was like 2010 or 11. All right, you ready? I'm not going to tell you the actors. We're going to do the synopsis. Okay? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Brian Mills, 
a former government operative, is trying to reconnect with his daughter Kim. That his worst fears become real when sex slavers abducted Kim and her friend shortly after they arrived in Paris for a vacation. Yes. (laughs) I didn't have to finish it yet. Yay, I got one without you finishing the synopsis. <laughs> taken. Yeah, that was taken. That was like over $200 yeah. million at the box office. Oh, I love the memes on that. It's like, taken. Are you just a bad father? <laughs> you know, your child keeps getting taken. I think his wife got taken one too, didn't oh, she? Uh, yeah. I didn't watch, I actually never watched a full taken With, movie like from front to end. Like if it's on TV, I'll throw it on, but. Liam Neeson. Yeah. But not really pay attention to it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, I seen the first one and then it was just like, okay, taken again. Oh, no, I can't do it. All right. You ready? Yes. Okay. February. Are you proud of me though? Yes, I am. Okay. Very proud of you. Okay. This is the first one. Like, this is the quickest one I think you ever got. <laughs> Okay, okay, go. Okay. <laughs> On February 2nd, 2009, Christine Ross was walking her dog named Ruka in the area and she noticed a bone which looked human and maybe a femur, she thought. So she took out her phone and took a picture of it to send to her sister who was a nurse. Straight away, she told her to contact the police because she knew what a human femur bone looked like when she saw it. This brought out investigators to the area, and they swarmed it looking for remains. At first, they thought they had 13, but narrowed it down to 11, and sadly, they found a fetus as well. No way. Yep. So, one of the people was murdered while she was pregnant. Yep. Most of these women turned out to be Hispanic, who were between the ages of 15 and 32. All of the women went missing in 2003 or 2004, and found their lives head into drugs and sex work. By 2016, there was one detective on the case full-time, and his name was Mark Marini, and it was said he interviewed 200 locals with similar backgrounds to create timelines for suspects. At this point, they gave the name the West Mesa Bone Collector. And that's the title of this episode, right? Yes, yep. So there's not too much really going on now, because we honestly, there's not a lot of information about it because they found bones, and so we're going to get into suspects like immediately. Because there is a few suspects involved in this. Are you going to go into how they became suspects? Uh, yeah, we are. You are, okay. yep. And once we get to know the suspects, we're going to go into the victims. And we'll make our theories of what happened and who we think committed these crimes. Ooh, I like those kind of episodes. Yeah. So Joseph Blee, B-L-E-A. This is our first suspect we'll go over. Joseph was well known to the police at the time with over a hundred encounters in two decades. Oh. He is nicknamed the mid-school rapist. There was an incident before the bodies were found. A woman said he had exposed himself to her, and when the police searched his car, they found rope and electrical tape, which are not good items to have in your car without a reason. Uh, so those, it's kind of like a, uh, a kidnapping kit, I'd say. Yeah, those are very suspicious items. Yeah. Police say that Joseph would break into homes of 13 to 15-year-old girls who lived near McKinley Middle School and rape them. What the hell? How was he not in prison? Right? That reminds me of the whole Noah Donahoe. You know, that one guy who had 194 cases against him? Why isn't this guy in prison? Exactly. So in one of these cases, he left behind DNA, which would link him to the rapes. So he's not so smart. He's not so smart. (laughs) 
So now since his DNA was, well, he has over 100 encounters with police, he's not getting away with too much. Well, he's not arrested. Like, he's got encounters, but he's not behind bars. That's right. So now since his DNA was now in the system, he was suspected of killing a sex worker in 2015, when his DNA was located in the inner waistband and belt of a sex worker found dead on Central Avenue. So this guy's got a complete douchebag, man. I'm just, like, blown away right now. Or to keep going with him, too. Okay. So his wife and daughter also claimed that they found jewelry and female underwear that didn't belong to them in the house. Oh, okay. If I found some freaking woman underwear in my house, I would be, well, not I would be, you, (laughs) (laughs) you had better run for your freaking life because I'm going to murder you. Well, somebody that we know in our community of True Crime Podcast will be doing a case about us. (laughs) (laughs) Beth? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> no, it'll be Bailey. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yep. So now this creep, I'll call him a creep, may or may not have been the serial killer responsible for the deaths, but he was definitely a predator. And in 2015, he was sentenced to 90 years in prison for sexual assault charges that stem from the 80s and 90s. Well, it's about freaking time. So he is in jail. Well, yeah. Took a long time, but he got there. Yeah. The long way around. Like, what yeah. the hell? So, yeah, we don't know if he's the killer, obviously, because, I mean, with the bodies found like that, I don't think there's much DNA that was ever located, like, from the scenes. I'm thinking that there wasn't much left of the bodies. Right. So now, unfortunately, from the evidence they collected, like the jewelry, underwear, and other evidence, the police cannot connect him to the murders. Unfortunate. Yep. A former cellmate claimed that Joseph had known and paid for the victims, they even called them trashy, but he will rot prison either way. So, yeah, but he's there forever. A lot of people call, you know, prostitutes trashy. Although I, I don't. We don't. We haven't lived in their life. No. So we're gonna go to the next person now. Okay, I'm still like not too uh, happy about that, Joseph. Okay. Yep. So next <laughs> on our list of upstanding citizens, upstanding citizens, <laughs> is Lorenzo Montoya. He was also known to pick up women, and his violent temper makes him stand out. In 1988, he was picked up when he offered an undercover cop $40 for sex. One year later, in 1999, he was arrested again for raping and strangling a sex worker because he was never going to pay for that encounter because he only had $2 in his wallet. Five years later, he repeated this process again. There's a lot of freaking fantastic people down in Albuquerque. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I'm, we're not putting up Albuquerque. We're putting down some of these citizens. Yeah, I mean every city has one. Like, oh, a couple of these ones, right? Our, our our town is not, you know, known for greatness. We were ranked like one of the top crime cities in Canada, I think. Yeah. So I mean, we can't say too much. <laughs> I think, well, we've gotten better, but we were at one point, yeah. The top, I think yeah. we are number one. I think we were number one. Yeah, for, per capita, because we're not very big, but we had a lot of crime here. Yeah, we're only about, what, 75,000 people here? 95? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, really? Okay. Lorenzo's girlfriend submitted a domestic violence report to police claiming that he beat her and did, quote, unquote, gross things to her. She did not elaborate what he did, but she did say that he threatened her by saying, to kill me and bury me in lime. So, I mean, he threatened to kill her and bury her in lime. Mm-hmm. 
So, so yeah, um, I, I believe that he did that to her. Right. He did threaten her because he doesn't have a good record. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Nope. So the main reason why he's a suspect is because Lorenzo hired a sex worker in December of 2006 and took her to his home, which was conveniently less than two miles away from where the bodies were found. He ended up choking her to death, and the woman's either boyfriend or pimp, or both, <laughs> for that matter, came looking for her. He shot and killed Lorenzo. After his death, the murder stopped. But the police could not say, without a doubt, that Lorenzo was the West Mesa bone collector. How big is this place? West Mesa? Yeah. Uh, so West Mesa is actually a subdivision, but Albuquerque has, uh, says on the Wikipedia, just over half a million people living there. Okay, because I was, I had a thought that maybe it's just a small place, like West Mesa was just a tiny little place, and everyone kind of like lived close to this dumping spot? Well, no, I don't think so. I think it's just a subdivision, right? So, yeah, okay. So probably the most least likely, in my eyes, is the large interstate sex trafficking operation. So one of the victims was from Oklahoma, but was also known to have been in Texas and Colorado. This could make the claim that either she came on her own or was trafficked there. For me, I don't really buy into the whole sex trafficking operation. Are you serious? Well, I am serious because I think that if a sex trafficking operation, they would not continue to bury bodies in the same area. And most of these women were from the same area. So if their bodies were from more than a couple states away, then maybe I would give it more weight. But I think that they are just, you know, from all the same area. So just isolated to Albuquerque. Okay. You believe in the sex trafficking. You just don't think that this was this part, case of is part okay. of it. Yes. Oh, no. I know there's big sex trafficking in the world. I know. I was shocked by that. I was like, what do you mean? You're like one of those big people that are like, holy crap, Denise. There's so many, you know, sex traffickers out there. No, no, I believe in all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay, okay. I still believe it's this thing here because it was all, like, local except for that that one person. Yeah. So, if, and also, too, sex traffickers, they don't like to, like, they would bury the bodies, like, all over the place, not in one right. area. Okay. That makes more sense because I was just like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Brad? So now, with cases like this, you always have to blame the trucker. <laughs> and being one myself, it starts to get repetitive. Hey, Brad. I am not a serial killer. Are you? Uh, that's what a serial killer would say. That's exactly what a serial killer would say. <laughs> yes, I know truckers have been involved in sex worker murders, and they get a bad rap. But in this case, the El Paso Crime Stoppers received an anonymous call that a person with the last name Coda had killed a girl nicknamed Mimi and Chocolate, which were both nicknames from one of the victims. But despite this tip, nothing more came from it. A lot of uh, vehicles now, like truckers, they all have the GPS on them. Well, yeah, we all have GPS. Yeah. And we have cameras now, too. Like, yeah, we can't. We, they would, we they can't, would know, yeah, know anything that yeah. you did. You take a, like, you pull over for a piss and they know. They're like, oh, Brad's pulled over for a piss. We actually, it was funny because um, we were at the dumper uh, dumping our wood on Friday mm -hmm. and it was broken down for about an hour. Right. And one of the guys came up to us and said, if you guys stop putting bodies in the back of your trucks and dumping them in there, we get clogged up all the time. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, even they're even they making fun of oh us. Oh, my God. Was it Arrow? No, it was uh, a person from the mill. Oh, okay. That was funny, though. <laughs> that is funny. So, have you ever heard of David Parker Ray? <laughs> 
Absolutely not. What a surprise. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah, okay. So he was known as the toy box killer. Is this a big person? Yes. Oh. Extremely big. Don't laugh at me. Laugh with me. Oh my gosh. See, I am so green at this. People mm. know this. I'm so green. I'm just, right. I'm learning. Even though none of his bodies were ever found, he is suspected to have at least murdered 40 people. And yet I've never heard of him. I know, right? He tortured, raped women in his makeshift so-called toy box south of Albuquerque. It is extremely creepy. I think I've told you about that. Remember that? Uh, I think I played the tape for what he played for the, the girls once. Like He actually made a tape when he played for them. And it was like really gross. No. No. <laughs> That's it going over my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so, what's the word? Green? No. Ignorant? Okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to murders and stuff like that. Some people think that ignorant is a bad word, but it's not. It's it's legit. Right. I'm I'm ignorant when it comes to murders and serial killers. Yeah. I'm learning. So anyways, yeah. Okay. So one of his victims who managed to escape, Cynthia Vigil Jarmillo, alerted police to David Parker Ray. Cynthia and a woman named Christine Barber founded an organization to protect sex workers in New Mexico after they found the bodies in West Mesa. Good idea. Mm -hmm. The organization is called Safe Streets New Mexico. Female sex workers are in far more danger for violent crimes like rape and murder. Most communities don't notice when they go missing, nor put any attention into solving these cases. Very true. I think yep. that's everywhere. The serial killers who took advantage to lack of attention to sex workers were Ted Bundy, who killed 36 women with the same features. Heard of him? Yep. Gary Ridgway. Heard of him? Yeah. With around 50 murders, but could possibly be more. Most of his victims were sex workers, but not much attention came, went into solving these cases. Because they were sex workers. Right. I that's know, why they it, went on for so long, because nobody cared. Right. It's like they were dispensable. Right. So that's what this organization is to do, is to help bring awareness to these victims. It's not like these people, you know, were in high school or whatever and thought, okay, what do I want to do when I grow up and, you know, graduate from high school? I want to be a, you know, a sex worker. It doesn't happen like that. Things happen in their lives that makes them go down that path. Right. So the organization is set up to provide women protection when society fails them. That's kind of all we know about the case. But I really think that we need to talk about these victims and who they are because they were buried into the ground without friends or family knowing where they were. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast, but you just weren't sure how to even start? That was us too. We love listening to podcasts and always thought, hey, what if we started one too? That's when we found Buzzsprout and haven't looked back since. With Buzzsprout, they made it so easy. To start, you don't need all the expensive gear. If you have a recording device and a quiet space, then you're on your way to creating a great podcast. But if you do want to get the best that's available, then let us assure you, Buzzsprout can help with that. They provide so many tools and resources to help guide you along the way. So now that you've signed up with Buzzsprout and used the link that we've provided in our show notes, 
After two months of your subscription, you will receive a $20 Amazon gift card. You have now joined hundreds of thousands of others and became a podcaster, and you will be heard all over the world on all major platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and many more. So what are you waiting for? Today is the day to come join us on the adventure of a lifetime and watch your number of downloads grow with the up-to-date location tool to see exactly where your audience is. This is where the magic begins. Come join us on Buzzsprout, where starting a podcast is made easy. Okay, so first we're going to start off with Monica Candelaria. She was 22 when she was last seen on May 15, 2003. She lived a high-risk lifestyle, and she had ties to gangs. She did have one conviction of prostitution. Next is Doreen Marquez. She was 27, and she was last seen dropping off a child at Calvary Christian Academy on October 10, 2003. Was it her child? I don't think so, no. Okay. A friend later contradicted that saying that she was last seen in Berlaz, which is an inner city neighborhood. Sorry if I got that wrong. I don't know the, the neighborhood. Doreen loved jewelry and fashionable clothes, and she had a huge personality, according to her friends and family. In high school, she was a cheerleader, then later on had two daughters, who she was devoted to and threw extravagant birthday parties for. When the girls got older, her boyfriend was sent to jail, which was when she turned to drugs and she started to spend less and less time with her daughters, leaving them with her sister and other family members. She was a really great mom and then she just went out of control kind of. Yeah, I think what happened was when he went to prison, I think money started getting tight and she had oh, to find money, right? Yeah, good point. So from the years 18 to 27, she was a very good mother. But unfortunately, the life of the streets got a hold of her. Yeah. She had a history with drug addiction, but did not have any arrest for prostitution. Victoria Chavez, who was 26 years old, was last seen on June 5th, 2003. My birthday. Yep. But unfortunately, she wasn't reported missing until March 2005 wow, by her mother. two years. Yep. Victoria was a known drug user and sex worker with five prostitution convictions. That's probably why she wasn't reported because of her lifestyle. That's right, yeah. She was the first victim to be identified. Her stepfather said at her memorial event in 2009, to have them come and knock on my door, I was devastated. I never thought it would end up like this. I just had hope. Yeah, that's sad. Veronica Romero, she was 27, and she was reported missing on Valentine's Day in 2004. A family member, Desiree Gonzalez, said, we're putting her to rest finally, but considering what's been done, and now we're finding out more of what's happened to her, it's just sad. She was hurt real bad. I think they all were. Yep. Virginia Lovin, she was 24, and she grew up in a small trailer heated by wood-burning stove. She was said to be funny, loved doing her makeup, and loved school. When she was in high school, her brother was shot and killed in a homicide, and it was ruled self-defense. A week later... Virginia ran away from home. She first lived with her grandfather, then moved in with a boyfriend. She was going through depression. Yep. Her boyfriend then got hit with a car and was in a coma 
Soon after, Virginia lost her home, and now she was living on the streets. Wow. She's one just... bad turn after another one. Yeah. A year on the streets, she phoned her dad to ask what he wanted for his birthday, and he just wanted her to clean up her citations, and they were supposed to meet up. When they were to meet up on his birthday, she didn't show up. She just vanished. The last words they heard her say was in June 2004, and she said she had a new boyfriend who had just got out of prison and that she was probably going to marry him. Oh, there's a keeper. Right? Yeah. But I can see she's already going through this downward spiral of one thing after another happening with her, and she doesn't know better. And I feel like she just had low self-esteem, and that's who she should have. Her family said that they would like to meet him, but they never heard from her again. Four months later, her father reported her missing. Did they ever suspect him? I don't think so. I'm not 100% not, not on the, that, though. Not the father, but the boyfriend. The boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, not 100% on that, though. Okay. His daughter's death still haunts him, but he doesn't celebrate holidays anymore and sleeps in the living room instead of his bedroom. He stated, when you lose a kid, it's the hardest thing in the world. I've lost other family members, but when it's your daughter or son, it hurts worse. That's, I think, um, a parent's worst fear. I know it's my worst fear is something happening to my children. A hundred percent. That's the, I don't know what I would do personally. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'd be here. I don't I, know. It's tough. Yeah. So if you remember earlier, I talked about a victim from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. She was Selenia Edwards. I think, it, I don't know if I, that's right or not. S-Y-L-L-A-N-N-I-A. Selenia. Looks like Selenia. If it's wrong, I'm very sorry, but uh, I don't, don't really know how to pronounce it. She was a runaway from foster care. She never knew her father and last saw her mother when she was five years old. Being only 15 years old and the only African-American, she didn't quite fit the same MO as the rest. The police believed she was a circuit girl who traveled the I-40 corridor as a sex worker. She's the reason why they think it was Sex Traffic Network, and they believe she was traveling in a group. She had the nicknames I mentioned earlier, Mimi and Chocolate. Oh, Mimi and Chocolate is the same, same person? person? yeah. Oh, I thought there were two different people. So far, they've all had really bad lives. Yeah. She had a distinct painted design on her fingernail, and the police released it to the media to find more leads into her past, but the police did not provide any details from this. Yeah, because they can go over um, whoever did the design on the fingernail, right? Yep. Cinnamon Elks was 32 when her mother, Diana Wilhelm, didn't hear from her daughter on her birthday in August of 2004, and she knew something was terribly wrong. A mother knows. Yep. She had a rough patch, just like every other girl here, so mm -hmm. it sounds like, yep. with the law for prostitution and solicitation arrests and uh, 19 of them with 14 convictions. Wow. She was friends with three of the victims found in the Mesa. Oh, okay. That was a that was a side blow to me. Yeah. Didn't expect that. But they knew each other, yeah. Yeah. Julie Nito. Nito? Nito? Yeah. Neto? N-I-E-T-O. Yeah. Sorry if it's wrong. That's, that's what it looks like to me. She was 24, and as a child, she was always small for her age. She was so small that her mother often sewed or altered her clothes just so that she could fit into them. She loved chili peppers and jump rope. At the age of 19, she started to do drugs. Mm. 
She did try to get treatment, but to no avail. She was last seen in August of 2004 at her dad's house. She left behind a young son who she was devoted to. Her mom said she was a great mother and wouldn't let that boy go for nothing. Two years after she went missing, her sister Valerie Nito was found dead in a motel from an overdose. She could not handle it. She was depressed all the time, crying all the time. That was the only sister she ever had. Oh, so mom lost both her daughters. Once the bodies were found, she stated that I just buried one daughter and they found another one. She is now raising her grandsons. Both women had sons. Oh my gosh. Evelyn Salazar was reported missing on April 3rd, 2004 by her family and she was 23 years old at the time. She was the 10th victim to be identified, but her 15-year-old cousin, Jamie Barella, who was the final one to be identified. The two were last seen together at a family gathering, and they went to the park at San Mateo and Gibson. Evelyn liked camping and outdoor activities. She was a good cook and taught her daughter how to roller roller skate. So these two were taken at the same time? Uh, I believe it's pretty close, yes. Okay. Jamie Barella, like I said, was 15 with no ties to prostitution or drug arrests. She did not fit the normal MO either. I was just going to say that because everyone else had something going on. I almost think she was taken with her cousin as being at the wrong place at the Mm, wrong time. That makes sense. Michelle Valdez was 22 and the last time her dad saw her, he said not to stay away too long. Michelle was quiet and would give you the shirt off her back if you needed it. He said she was good-hearted, kind, and didn't deserve what she got. He could remember when she got into drugs, but she would disappear for days or weeks at a time. But later in time, it would turn to months. Nobody deserves this. No. When she did show up, her dad would give her small sums of money, even knowing she was spending it on drugs. But he wanted her to keep coming back. That's why he kept giving her money. Unfortunately, I'd probably do the same thing. I know... Like you're just enabling them, but if that's what it takes to get them to come back and see you. Yep. Then all that stopped and he reported her missing in February 2005. When she was found, she wasn't alone. They also found the remains of her four-month unborn baby. Oh, this is the one. Yep. Michelle's mom said her daughter is not defined by her drug addiction. She was a very fun-loving girl. She always had a smile on her face. And she would just brighten up a room with her bubbly personality. Her mother spoke to the journal and said, Everyone has faults, and hers was drugs. But she was still a human being. She was a good big sister. She always looked out for her sisters. And she was a mom who cared about her kids' accomplishments. Her father ended up passing away from cancer and liver problems in 2014, still awaiting for the arrest of her daughter's murderer. In his last interview with the journal, he said, God, I wish we had some answers. We all meet our maker in the end anyway. We'll get our justice. Maybe not here on earth, but we'll get our justice. There is a $100,000 reward that leads to an arrest and conviction in this case. That's a big reward. Yep. So on that note, I think we're going to end it here just because we don't have any more information. Like we have the suspects, we have the victims, and we have like, satellite images that show tire marks but no vehicle we have no more information yeah so that's pretty much it it's just wow. bringing it to light about these women that who were found like their names need to be said so of all the suspects who do you have your eye on 
I have mine on that Joseph guy. Yeah, Joseph Blee. Yes, because they're so much against that guy. And also, he had, well, he was arrested, right? He's got 90 years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's in, in jail. Yep. And he had so many uh, charges against him, didn't he? Yeah, he had 100 against him. Yeah, 100. Like, that is just insane to me to have so many counts against him. A hundred in what two decades? I think you said. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Oh, and then also the rope in the electrical tape. Yep. Like, and the rape, the rapes. Yes. Like, just, yeah, he's not. I don't know. I think he did it. Yeah, Joseph Lee. Yep. I am on the same path you are. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's called the nickname the mid school rapist. I That's mean, right. Yeah. There's so many things that it just points to him. Yeah, like he broke into homes. Like I would say that yes. he. He is a predator, and I think that picking up a woman from the streets mm-hmm. and killing her mm-hmm. would not be off the table for him. No, absolutely not. So that's where I'm going with that one. And you know what? If he is the one and he doesn't get charged for them, at least he's still in prison for the rest of his life. That's true, but it would be nice for the closure the, for the exactly. families. Yep, 100%. Yes. So hopefully, you know... They so, get some more leads yeah. and they can actually charge him with it. Yeah, because I think this is one detective on it right now. I think that uh, I think that they need a few more for sure. Yeah, I think. And to start finding more evidence that they can. I don't know. I don't know if they can find evidence for what happens, but I don't know. But it's weird. They only have one person, Mark uh, Morani or something yeah. they had. Like one person working on this? I think it's only because that there's hard to find more information now because... I mean, they've dug up the bodies. There's no evidence. Like, right. Where else are they going to go now, right? But it's not a cold case, right? It's still an open it's case. Still, well, if there's a guy working on it, it's still open. Right. Okay. So. I don't know. This doesn't have a crew of people, right? But yeah, that's the case of the West Mesa Bone Collector. Yeah, never heard of it. Now you did. Now I did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for all the women. Yeah. I feel extremely bad for... At least they were found, though, and they actually have, like, closure that they're found. Yeah. They being identified and not just dead people that nobody knows who they are. Yeah, they have names now and they're yeah. they're out of they're with their families and mm-hmm. their families could lay them to rest properly. Yeah. Hopefully it gets solved someday though. That'd be really nice. I'd like to figure out who did this. It's hard to have this unsolved. Eleven people mm-hmm. unsolved. So Mark, if you're listening, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's gonna do it for us today. You could find us or tell us what you guys think. At uh, World's True Crime at Gmail or Hotmail.com, our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Denise, you have something to say? And please rate and review us. That helps us so much. It does. More than anything, rate and review. Five stars. <laughs> if you're nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's all. Okay. So the world is not always as it seems. No, it's not. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs>